you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today, as we're recording this towards the end of January, I am so excited to announce that this morning when I went and checked the results for the podcast, that we are at a total of over five thousand listeners to the podcast since it started. So I wanted to say uh, just before we begin a huge thank you to all of you. Now, now that that's accomplished though, the next goal. So it took me three and a half years to get 5,000 listeners. I'm hoping to do 10,000 by the end of the year. Big, hairy, audacious goal I know, but I believe it can be done. So today I'm excited about the topic because when you are, you know, a consultant, a, a professional speaker, a coach, your personal brand is so important. And that's why I'm so excited to have Roy Osing here today, because he's the guy that took a startup to a billion in annual sales. He's the only author, entrepreneur, and executive leader who delivers practical and proven, audacious, unheard of ways, I love that, to produce high-performing businesses and successful careers. So Roy is a former president, CMO, and entrepreneur with over 40 years of successful and unmatched executive leadership experience in every aspect of business. He's the president of a major data and internet company. Welcome to the show, Roy. Thank you very much, Kim, for having me here. I'm grateful. So Roy, since this is your first time on the Author to Authority podcast, why don't you take a few minutes, introduce yourself, share a little bit more of your story and how you've been able to come to do some of these amazing things. Yeah, well, so as you mentioned, I, I was... Uh fortunate enough to have the opportunity to lead a company in the data and internet space from its very early stages over a number of years. And we actually built it. And I get got to tell you, Kim, I get goosebumps when I think about this. We actually built it to over a billion in, in annual sales, which is a, a remarkable achievement for a, a team of people who are dedicated to do extraordinary things. And, and, and I have to thank them for their, their hard work and their passion. But this was a long this was a long kind of journey for me because at the heart of the ability to actually grow a business like that was my learning and understanding that the key to all of this stuff was execution. It wasn't so much about getting the plan pristine because you'll never will. It's not a perfect world. You'll never get anything perfect. And I understood that a long, long time ago. So I set upon a journey of of doing imperfect things as fast as I could and, and differently than the way other people thought of them. Okay, so my, you know, I've written seven books around this whole concept called Be Different or Be Dead. And the notion there is if you're not different, you're going to be irrelevant and dead sooner or later. And so I spent, I've spent my life trying to figure out how to be different in a way 
that drove superlative performance and and the key there was execution so i'm i'm your execution dude that's that's what i've done and it's practical stuff okay i learned really really young to take my textbook which helped me to a point and put it aside and so i was the guy that looked at actually casting away traditional stuff that may have worked in the past but you know, yesterday's relevance, if I can call it that, and take on some new practical stuff. Uh, I'm the guy that created uh, killing uh, dumb rules, cutting the crap, hiring for goosebumps, you know, uh, strategic micromanagement for those out there that that don't believe in micromanagement, you're listening to a dude that does and has been quite successful micromanaging a certain aspect of the business. So my whole thing was practicality and things that lit fires in people. And why is that important? Well, it was important because it aided execution. And so I've spent four decades understanding how to be different, how to execute, how to light fires in people. And that's the essence of my brand. I'm the guy that actually did it. I have an MBA, but it's a different kind of an MBA, Kim. It's it's a master's of business achievement. That's what Roy mm, is. Love that. Love that. So let's go back for a couple of minutes and just explore this a bit. One of the things I love to do on the podcast is just explore some of the maybe harder areas that you had. Because, you know, we look at someone like you and we go, wow, he must be special. He must be, he must be, and I am not, right? So I love to highlight some of the difficulties so that people can see that everyday people, normal people with some exceptional skills, some exceptional discipline, some exceptional different things. Talk about some of the difficulties that you went through during that time, because you don't grow to a billion in annual sales without some difficulties. Oh, no, it was amazingly difficult. I mean, that's when I realized that pain was a strategic concept. Okay, because <laughs> if you can't, <laughs> if you can't tolerate pain, then forget it. The kind of role I had was taking a monopoly business into a highly competitive market customer driven kind of world. And so we had to change cultures. We had mm. a traditional voice culture, we had to make it an internet culture. And, and adopt different skills and different competencies. And in order to do that, I had to basically throw out a lot of the stuff that worked yesterday and, and replace it with, with what I considered these audacious, simple things that lit fires in people to go in a different direction. I had a whole cadre of people, peers, executive peers, who didn't really like that. They loved hanging on to the past. They liked the, the warmth and the comfort of yesterday's relevance. And, and didn't really appreciate that here's a young guy uh, mm. who wanted to do things differently and who preached that and who actually got people fired up to do it. And so it was mm. happening in spite of them, but they didn't like it. So the, the pushback was incredible. And the uh, energy, I'll say, okay, and the mm. perseverance necessary that to push forward in spite of basically, you know, a majority of leaders in the organization not wanting you to succeed was incredibly uh, challenging, to say the least. I happen to have a Norwegian background. My grandparents were born in Norway. I'm a Viking. And there's no way, there is no way I'm not going to take the hill, right? So what they didn't realize is I was going to be there a lot longer than them. 
And I was stubborn. I was obstinate. I was energetic. And I just pushed and pushed. And I believed in my stuff, not from a, an ego perspective, but from the perspective that I knew we could win with this approach. And the only reason I knew that was because people told me, Roy, we're on the right path, man. Just keep going. Keep Whatever we're doing, just keep going. And that kind of lit my fire. And I just, I just kept going. But the stick-to-itiveness requirement for anybody who wants to make a big change is critical. If you don't have that, you will not make it. Simple as that. Yeah. Thank you, Roy. And you're right. Stick to itiveness. I love that word because it just means that no matter what, you're moving forward. I love it. Yeah. Love you know, it. there were every, every day, it, there were days when I, I'd get about six o'clock at night and I'd go, I mean, this is just, you know, I was married and I had a family and I just can't do this anymore. And then I would take us, mm-hmm. then somebody would come into my office and they would say, <laughs> we're doing the right thing. Okay. You, you, they were coaching me, right? You're doing the right thing. And that gave me the energy to keep going. I mean, that's so important to have that kind of, that kind of feedback and that, and that's sort of an advocation of people in your organization that believed in you. I mean, how Mm -hmm. many people have that? I mean, how lucky was I? Not many, not many. Well, you know, and the thing is too, is sometimes as, you know, as entrepreneurs, professional speakers, coaches, consultants, it can be a very lonely road, right? Because you, you don't ha- you don't have a big company around you. A lot of times it's you and, you know, maybe a couple employees or, you know, maybe a group of freelancers or whatever. So one thing I've learned is it's, it's important for me to have community, entrepreneurial community around me so that when I do have those days, you know, I love my husband dearly, but he's not entrepreneurial. And that's okay. He loves me the way I am. And he lets me be an entrepreneur. But you know, you have those days when you really want to quit. So if I went to my husband and just started saying how hard it was and that I wanted to quit, he'd be like, that's okay, dear. I understand. It's okay. If you want to quit, I understand, right? Exactly. Because he's thinking that he's loving me and supporting me, right? But when you get around a group of entrepreneurs, they look at you and go, yeah, I know it's difficult, but suck it up, buttercup. Get back in there and keep going because you're going to do it. And then they help you find a solution. Well, the other thing for me was was finding the right mentors. And, Mm -hmm. And entrepreneurs need the right mentors. They don't need mentors with a PhD in economics. Right. They need mentors with an MBA, master's in business achievement, as I said earlier. They need to find people like myself who have struggled through it. Okay, it's not textbook stuff. I can tell you the pain points, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And and it's sort of a sounding board. And it's a it's a disciplined, credible source of feedback for that person. Uh, in addition to the community uh, observation that you make. And I so agree with that. You, You have to have that around you for sure it's it's like this it's like this risk reward blanket right mm-hmm. that you just snuggle into after a while when it's cold and stormy out there and no everybody hates you and everybody's trying to get you so we need that you know when i think of mentors i almost think of like soldiers who have been in the trenches and won the war they've oh. seen it all they know the good, they know the bad, they know the ugly, and they made it through. You know, I it's it's so true. I, I love talking to CEOs of 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 new companies um, that that they want to start, and I ask them to 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 tell me about their idea, and and they're so excited to do it. And I said, okay, tell me how your idea is different than everybody else's out there. And they stop and they think, and they have a hard time explaining it. So I just say to them, stop spending money. Okay, what you're going to do is take a step back and figure it out. This whole notion of differentiation is another piece for me that I learned very, very, very early 
was not very well done by organizations. And to be honest with you, it's not being very well done today. Everybody yeah. uses, we are the best, we are better, we're number one, we're the leader. That's what I call in, in my world now, in my writings, claptrap. It's meaningless, senseless, useless claptrap. Because from a customer's point of view, it doesn't help them answer the question, why should I do business with you and no one exactly. else? So I had to yeah. create my own. It's called the only statement. It's in all my work. It, it says, hey, we are the only ones who, boom, boom, boom. It's, it's an absolute precision to your promise. It's a way of cutting through the clutter. So I'll say to these CEOs, let's create your only statement. Well, Roy, I'm not special at anything. I said, yeah, you are. And if you're not, you need to create that before you spend any money. Okay. Yes. So I'm a hard nose. Keep it honest. Keep it real mentor. And some of them get quite offended. It's like it wasn't in their MBA case study. <laughs> and I keep saying, you know what? Everybody does the same case studies. Why would you think you would be any different if everybody does mm -hmm. the same case study? You're just creating what, some, what somebody calls strategic convergence, where you have a herd, everybody looks the same. And it may be comfortable, but unfortunately, not very rewarding if you want to be successful. And so sure. the mentorship for me takes on a really specific knife cutting edge. I'm not, my job isn't to be kind and to be honest. True, true. Though I think just from this little bit of conversation, you're always respectful and there is a difference. Oh yeah. I'm not talking about being an asshole, right? <laughs> I'm, but I'm talking about keeping it real. There's no sense creating this sort of false sense of security around false direction, false strategy and, and things that I know don't work. So I'm yeah. going to cut through the clutter and try and make it as quick as, as possible. And if it's painful for you, okay, that's a good thing because you learn mm -hmm. from pain. Because remember, pain is a strategic concept and it gives me an opportunity to talk about that again. But of course you have to be respectful. That's just human being stuff. Okay. But not to the point where it gets in the way of the message. True. You know, when you were talking about that, it makes me think of Sherpas. You know, when you go to climb a mountain, it's a very dangerous thing. And you've got two routes you can go. You can try and go and figure it out yourself and almost kill yourself. Or you can go with a Sherpa who's going to say, okay, let's get you prepared. And the pre preparation might be a little bit painful and uncomfortable and not things you're used to do, but that Sherpa will make sure that you stay alive. Absolutely. I think right. that's, that's the kind of pain I would prefer. Yeah, that's a great analogy. I mean, look at it's, it's pay me now or pay me later, Kim. I mean, there's, you, you're going to get it one way or the other, which way do you want it? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> give, give it to me now. <laughs> and let me avoid it later. And maybe I can learn along the way. I mean, I call it planning on the run, right? Where mm -hmm. you, where you plan, you execute, you learn, adjust, execute, learn, adjust. To me, that's my definition of strategic planning. I mean, not mm -hmm. too many people agree with me because you won't find it in strategic planning 101, but you will find it in be different or be dead. You see, and that's the <laughs> textbook that makes a difference. You see the way I slipped that in there. That was not. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Though we are going to talk about your books at the end there. I want yeah. to give you a few minutes because I know you've come prepared. I mean, we've we've been touching it on a little bit, but I want you to go a little bit more in depth on how to build a remarkable personal brand. Yeah, I guess if I could, if I could boil it down, it would be around this whole uh, concept called creating a position in the world where you are the only one who does what you do, okay? And it kind of relates to, to the previous remarks I made around the, the fact that, that uh, we have so much claptrap 
communications clutter out there around people claiming to be this and claiming to be that that isn't really helpful. Uh, and everybody does it. So if everybody's claiming to be better, it makes them all the same. And in my world, all that does is increase the common, boring, traditional herd by one. And that's not where you want to be. Or it might be, which is fine. You can stay there and be comfortable in the herd. But if you want to break away and achieve some greatness, got to get out of the herd. The main way to do that is to create an only statement as a beginning. In my day, and I, I got onto this really, I mean, I had to do this because the business I was in had to be special and, and had to be remarkable, but it had to be explained in a granular way that made sense to customers, okay? And so my brand today is all based on be different or be dead, audacious, unheard of ways, non-traditional, get rid of the claptrap, execute first, plan second. The execution platform is huge, okay? Because this isn't about your ideologies. Brands are not about ideologies. It's what, it's what you do in a way that's different than everybody else and satisfies what people care about. And that's an yes. important distinction to make. It's not about egos. It's not about making it about me. It's not about doing something different just to be different. Being different is about stepping out in a way that's different from everybody else in a way that people care about. And so I've spent literally my whole life doing that. I applied it to business. I've applied it to my career. Roy is the only author, entrepreneur, and executive leader who delivers proven and practical, audacious, unheard of ways, because nobody else talks about it, that builds performance that you said earlier. I mean, that didn't come by accident. No, that was didn't. crafted <laughs> in a very, very specific way because people are always looking for different ways. And, and what I try and do is give them a how-to way, a roadmap to get there. Mm -hmm. And that distinguishes me from others who, generally speaking, will take an academic view towards stuff. Like I've often been asked, how do, why don't you like blue oceans, Roy? Well, I don't like blue oceans, okay, because they're not terribly helpful to me as a business leader that has to drive superlative results by knowing specifically how I can use that blue ocean to light fires in people to get them to execute better. And unfortunately, the concept, although it may satisfy the academic curiosity of a lot of people, doesn't have that practical dimension. So for me, it's not of any use at all. So my brand is about doing it. It's the utility guy. I mean, I used to get called in when there were problems that nobody else can solve because I was a practical person, right? I didn't look the textbook aside and said that was helpful for now. Now I got to move on. But it all started with how can I do things differently? I would look around and see what other people were doing and, and, and you know, get bored by a lot of it and say, I got to do, I got to figure this out. I got to do this differently in a way that people care about. And that guided me my whole life. And so it led me to things like surprise them. Surprising people is an excellent way to get them to go, wow, hey, that's something else. You know, go contrarian, do a 180. You know, the herd's going east, I'm going west, and I'm going to find a solution going west, right, mm -hmm. to what people care about, right? Being imperfect fast, creating, not copying. I mean, I am an absolute mm -hmm. disbeliever in benchmarking. I think it's the most horrible, dishonest practice in the world, okay? And I'll tell you why. Okay, the original concept of benchmarking under total quality management was to address efficiency, right? To look around and pick somebody who's good, for example, at CRM and copy them in hopes to get some efficiency. But what's happened is that whole original intent has bled into using copying as a strategic tool. 
And so now people copy strategies. Well, if a strategy isn't working for you, why should I think by taking it and copying, it's going to work for me? Okay. And so the, the bleeding process of benchmarking mm -hmm. into strategy is laziness is what it is because people are doing it all over the place. I wouldn't do it. I mean, I think the moment you go onto Google, right, and you try and Google what somebody's doing, you better be asking yourself, why am I being a copycat? Because it's adding no strategic value to me or my career, or in many cases, my family and my life, because there's no yeah. originality. It's unremarkable. And so you need to break away from that. All of that stuff <laughs> is what I was immersed in my whole life. That's my brand. And so if you ever said, well, I, I benchmarked, blah, blah, you better stand back. I'm coming at you. You can run, but you can't hide from Roy. He's a Viking, remember? <laughs> what I really appreciated what about what you said there is, I can't say that I've done things radically as radically different as you have. But, you know, first of all, being a female publisher, that's unusual. Secondly, I do not have an MBA. I've never been to college or university, though I did graduate from high school. And third is I'm not a traditional publisher. There's some things that I do that's totally different than than publishers. I take no royalties from my clients' books. I hold no copyright to my clients' books. And the philosophy is, is that, you know, like I work with consultants, professionals, entrepreneurs, you know, coaches and speakers. These are people who are using these books for marketing tools and they need to be able to use them in the way that they need to be able to use them. And so for me, I'm not a traditional publisher at all. <laughs> Because I want to see my clients succeed. Yeah. It's not about me succeeding, though I do succeed. It's about them succeeding and giving them the tools that they need to be able to use their books. So I love that because, you know, that that's a bit of affirmation for me because I have not taken the traditional road in any of my entrepreneurship journey. And it's nice just to see someone else who's uh, who hasn't. And it just encourages me greatly. Well, that's that's terrific. I'm I'm so glad. I mean, look at we need uh, we need an advocate's army around this whole notion of of being different. Okay, mm -hmm. in a way, again, a way that that people care about, and getting rid of the ego stuff and so forth. We need we need an army, and I'm I'm hoping Kim, to be honest, that through. I mean, this is about my fiftieth podcast since my my new book launched in May, and I'm I'm just hoping that. By doing this, you know, we can create some some more advocates and believers in the in the in the root, and we start to convert people yeah. one by one and ten by ten. I mean, my my ultimate goal is to change the conversation in the world away from best in class and that sort of thing towards being different in a way that that's adding value to society and to life. If I can do that, and I guess if, that's kind of been a failing. Like I've been trying, I've been banging around this stuff for four decades. And I'm not happy with the progress I've been making, to be honest. And maybe it's because I'm not working hard enough. I don't know. But but I wish I could stand and say, hey, listen, I've achieved 50% of my goal. Well, I can't say that. And it just goes to show you how difficult the journey is. Well, speaking of your books, we are going to transition. And so, first of all, I'd love for you to just take a minute or two to talk about your newest book. And then I've got a question that I'm going to ask you that I ask every author who's been on the show. This is my seventh book in the Be Different or Be Dead series. Uh, the first book I wrote in 2009, and it was called Be Different or Be Dead, Your Business Survival Guide. And all of these can be seen on my website, Be Different or Be Dead. The whole notion is differentiate, 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 be different, be different, execute, execute. And, and this latest one, 
call the audacious unheard of ways I took a startup to a billion is I simply updated the information. I mean, the basic body content hasn't changed. The interesting thing for me is to most people, it's new. And yet I first started mm -hmm. writing on this like literally 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. So just to show you the, the inertia out there. And it's not because I've been sitting around kind of twiddling my thumbs. I'm, I'm hammering this thing as hard as I can. But there's an incredible, incredible uh, inertia out there for doing things like this, for being mm -hmm. audacious, because we've been taught to comply. We've been taught to conform. Just look at the education system. We could do a whole show on that, by the way, because clearly I've got some views that are not consistent with breaking away, right? And so the latest book is, is another attempt to kind of like update the information because the more I write about it, Kim, the more I learn about my own stuff. You know this. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. The process of just working with your stuff opens up new insights, et cetera. And so I took that. That forms a basis of, of the seventh book around audacious, unheard of ways and just trying to bang it and banging it and expressing it in different ways because people learn differently. I, I start out the book by saying, I, you know, I apologize for the strategic repetition that some of you may realize <laughs> when you read the book, but it's done on purpose, right? To try and yeah. accommodate different learnings. And so we launched it in May and it's been, it's been a blast. It's been fun. I just love having conversations like this. And I've been using this as, as kind of like my mainstream communication mm -hmm. strategy, if you will, around the book, because the conversation style is an easy style for me to talk about mm -hmm. what's going on. And, and I think it gets you out of that era of formality and so forth down to, yeah. to, to really grassroots talking and, and expressing mm -hmm. thoughts, which has always worked for me. So very exciting. I have no idea whether I'm selling any of these things, to be honest. It's not really a big priority. I mean, I hope it's like a handout. This is a how-to manual of Roy. I hope you get it just to learn a few things. And if you want to share it with a hundred people, great. That's even better. <laughs> that is wonderful. So Roy, I'm going to ask you the question that every author gets asked on this show. What was the good, the bad, and the ugly of publishing either your first book or one of your books? Well, the, the good is what I just mentioned is the good part about writing every one of these seven books has been that I, I've learned more about my own stuff. I've learned more about Be Different. Um, I've learned more about organizations that are practicing it. So it's given me good, positive feedback and a sense that we are actually are making some progress. I get emails from people saying, hey, Roy, here's my only statement. What do you think? And so through the publishing process that's exposed me to a lot of people learning more about my stuff. And I and I would say that, and being an ex-chief marketing officer, the whole marketing process is, is in my veins. It's part of me, and, and I love doing that. But there are also some bad spots. And you know, and, and these are the pedantic pieces of publishing that, that I stumbled over. In this latest book, I actually found out that I had to go learn Word. Okay, so, because in order to make my manuscript <laughs> publisher ready, I had to know the difference between a hard thing and a soft thing and you know, the right kind of quotes and, and oh, I got to tell you, that was painful. I finally got to the point where I said, I can't do this. I need somebody <laughs> to, to help me. It was so stressful, right? When I should be, should have been thinking about how am I going to get my word spread? I was worrying about, 
you know, hard and soft returns. You're, you're, you're dealing with all of the nitty gritty formatting stuff. Oh, I hated that stuff. That was bad. The ugly piece for me, and really I had a hard time with this one because I, and I'm, I'm stretching this is every, every process is tedious and it never goes smoothly. And I know that I'm the be different guy, right? I know there's no plan A that's perfect. And yet every time I went through this seven times, I experienced the same thing, <laughs> the same process issues around publication. But I expected that didn't make it any easier. But that's about the only thing that I could could say was ugly. You know what? I mean, for me, every day is a learning experience for me. And I, I go into everything saying, hey, I'm going to get at least one really be different gem out of this that I can use in my work, in my life that I can pass on to others. And and the, the publication process was certainly no exception. I loved it overall. Thank you, Roy. We are out of time for today. So Roy, if people have been listening to this and they're like, I need to connect with Roy, how can they connect with you? How can they get your book? And hmm, do you have any giveaways? I, I don't have any giveaways because I can't send them all over the world because my chief financial officer, who is my wife, says that would be a crazy thing to do. <laughs> Well, she's got me on a budget, so you'll have to talk to her. But you can come and visit me at bedifferentorbedead.com. I have a website, and I've tried to enrich it with the kind of resources that would help people. Like I, I blog every week. So mm-hmm. in terms of content, I've been blogging about Be Different or Be Dead since 2009, since the original mm-hmm. book. So there's lots of content. And don't ever think that it's not up to date. Because like I told you, when I look at the world out there, it's not different. So everything I'm talking about is probably more relevant today than it was 14 years ago. So there's a blog. There's also a page that that outlines my books and, and gives the opportunity to, to purchase one if you want. But the other part for me is I have an email address. It's roy.osing at gmail.com. And I'm really happy to have a conversation, Kim, with anybody on any aspect of this. People are now emailing me to say, well, yeah, I heard you say this, but what about that? Or here's my only statement. What do you think about that? Or, hey, I've got this thing in my career and I need a decision. What do you think about this? And I mean, the dialogue and the connection and the engagement for me, it, it just makes every day special. So please reach out. I'm here to help. And, and I will definitely read every email. Always have, probably always will. Thank you so much. This has been Kim Thompson-Pinder and Roy Osing on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson-Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.